Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. I know we're having some technical difficulties, but you know why I think that happens? is because God's got something special for you this morning. And... The Bible says faith comes by hearing the hearing of the word of God. And so if the enemy wants to come because he's the principality of the air, the scripture says, and he wants to hinder your hearing, there's something that he has a word for you today. I hope you're catching what's going on in the spirit this morning. As we've worshiped him, there was a pause. Franklin led us in a pause, right? If you look at the Psalms, it uses the word selah, which means pause, meditate. The Bible says this, that if you abide in me and I abide in you, you'll bear much fruit. See, what he's doing here in the spirit is he wants you to stop for a moment in the business of your morning, in the business of your week, and the craziness that you've gone through. He says, I want you to say law for a moment. I want you to be at peace because I got something to refuel you with this morning. See, our greatest work is to rest a moment. Everything's a paradox with God. Think about it. When he says, abide in me, he says, I want you to stop what you're doing because it's not you that's doing the work. It's him that's doing the work through you. So quit running out the door and running like you got to fix everything and say, law for a moment with God so he can do this work in you to get you ready for the work he wants to do through you. That's what he's doing this morning by his spirit. I hope you caught that. Because we're going to be talking about honor this morning through our service, honoring to those things that he wants to do here this morning. And so stop, take a breath, take a breath, because God gives us the breath of life. And that's what he wants to do this morning. Turn to the Gospel of John, the third chapter this morning. We'll be looking the second part of the chapter. Last week, we looked at the first part. As we finish off this chapter, where sermon title is called Honor. I love going to concerts. I love to see artists. But I make it a habit to go there early because there's the opening act. A couple of opening acts. And I want to catch the opening act and, and see these new bands and these new t- players that are playing. But they're not the focus of the concert. They're the pre-show to the concert. They're the ones that usher in the main event. They're the one that usher in the main artist. They're the one that points to the main band that's playing that night. If you've been following us through the Gospel of John for the last three chapters, John the Baptist is the one who introduces the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist is the opening act pointing to the main act, which is Jesus. You even see that in John chapter 3 because he has to begin to remind the disciples that he is not the one, but that Jesus is the one. And then I'm here to point to Jesus. And you're you're struggling with that. You're allowing disputes to come about about all these things that are going on. See, we've been studying chapter 3 the last two weeks. And last week we looked at Jesus who has an encounter by the man named Nicodemus. He comes to him by night because he knows he's of God. He cannot do the things that he does unless he's of God. And so even in Nicodemus' discernment, he's already pointing to Jesus. Like, there's something different about you, and I need you. And that's where Jesus says, you must be born again. 
in order to see the kingdom of God. There's been a journey going on in this gospel. Guys, if you're following me, I hope you're taking notes because he started in the Sea of Galilee. He went to Cana for a wedding. Then he jumps, what? Goes through Capernaum, jumps into Jerusalem. He's been in Jerusalem. He's in Jerusalem now. And then he's going to transition over to the suburbs of Judea. So he's doing a journey here as we're going through the text because there's going to be some ministry that needs to take place. God will always be moving us for ministry. He will always be doing that work. Let's look at John chapter 3, starting at verse 22 uh, this morning. It says this, And these things Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. And John also baptizing in them near Salim, because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. For John had not yet been thrown into prison, and then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And then they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you were testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness, then I said, Am I not the Christ? But I have been sent before him. And he who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands hears him, rejoice greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must decrease and I must increase. He who comes from above is above all, and he who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he, for he whom God has sent speaks the word of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides upon him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. And we pray, Father, as we just study your word, Father, as the word has life, Father, we pray that your spirit begin to speak. Speak clearly, Lord. Father, do this work inside of us. Father, you called us to honor you in the things that we do and, and the words that we speak and how we worship you and we praise you and how we walk with you. And, and so, Lord, I just come humbly before you, thanking you for the work that you're doing. In Jesus' name, Amen. I pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to look at a couple things this morning. Here's the first thing. The service we do is not about us. The service we do is not about us. Yesterday, a bunch of you were out with Love, My, Love Your City events through our church. Some of you were in Encanto. Some of you were here in City Heights and you were cleaning schools and cleaning different players and picking up trash. And, and we we're doing the work of God. We we're being a light to the community. We we're being an example to the neighborhood for the glory of God, for the honor of God. That was our purpose. That was our reason that the church would go out beyond these walls and not just be here. This is a huddle for us to what? Hear the plans of God, but we break in order to apply the plans of God. That's what the team does. That's what we do, right? But what happens sometimes is when we serve, we think it's about us and us getting the glory. Yep, yeah, just pat us on the back. We've done a good deed today. Right? We feel good. And I'm not saying that you can't have those experiences of feeling prideful and good about what God does through you. 
That's the point. But we have to be careful that we're not pointing to us, but pointing to Jesus, right? I think we, we live in a world that idolizes people, right? In fact, we even have a show called American Idol, right? For those who like those, watch that show, right? And the goal of the show is to compete, to be the next idol, American Idol, or the winner. And so the purpose of the performers is, is to make music and to sing so they can showcase their talents, and then what people do is they get to vote for him, and, and there's great value that goes on these people and their successes. So in our culture, we love to idolize things. We, we idolize singers and athletes and movie stars and whatever it is before. Wrestlers. I don't know, wrestling. You guys watch wrestling? Are you guys wrestlers out there? Come on, those are actors too. No, I'm just joking. We even have celebrity pastors that made a show of the pulpit. We like to idolize things. We like to put things up there. But I want you to understand we have failed to understand that in God's kingdom, he raises up his servants to honor him. He, he puts us in positions to glorify him and have influence for his kingdom. He, he, he puts us around friends and, and family and co-workers to serve and bless them. Because we're not here to build our kingdom we're here to build his kingdom. Come on, come on. And so there's a priority of having influence. But I love this about what's going on in the story. When we honor him, God wants us to find a place in ministry. What's our place in ministry? Look at 22, 24. It says, after these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now John was baptizing in Enon near Salim because there was much water there and they came and were baptized for John had not yet been thrown in prison. Remember, they were in Jerusalem for the week of Passover and he'd come for the Passover and that's where they have an encounter with Nicodemus. But that ministry in Jerusalem was done and so now they go to the suburbs just outside of Jerusalem and we find a work being done there, right? It, 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 it says that they were they were out baptizing Jesus and then we're out baptizing in the sense they went out to Judea, Jesus went to one area, John the Baptist went to another area and they're baptizing. They don't specifically give where Jesus was, the suburb they thought maybe he's up heading toward Jericho along the Jordan, heading that way and there was here Jesus was serving, right? It says that he was out baptizing. I want you to understand something here. First of all, Jesus never baptized anyone. But his disciples baptized. When you read the scriptures, it appears like Jesus was baptizing, but you really can get that information when you go to the next chapter. In chapter 4, verse 2, it says, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples. So Jesus was present in the support of the, the ministry of baptism, but his disciples, not all 12 are here with him yet. We talked about that earlier in the chapters in chapter 1. But they were doing the work of ministry in the suburbs of Jerusalem. That's where we find Jesus. And I love this because it says that Jesus remained with them. That word means he tarried with them. I love that about God. Amen. He just hangs with his people. He just chills with his people. He wasn't in the rush of ministry. He wasn't like, okay, we got to get this work done. Not, he wasn't on the time clock. Okay, from 9 to 3, we're going to serve. And sometimes that's how we see service. Like, okay, I came at 9 o'clock. I got to be done by 12 because I got to do my duty from 9 to 12 because this is my good, do, good work. But in the busyness of that time, we forget there's people all around us. 
See, we, we, we forget that we're serving together as a community. We're, we're hanging out and having fellowship and laughing and doing things together. We could miss that element of serving one another, building that community with one another, getting to know one another. Jesus tarried with the disciples because I'm sure he had conversations with them. He's talking with them. He's hanging with them. He's being with them. That's discipleship. He's learning of him. That's, that's the community we're called to be on as servants, that we're loving one another and we're loving our communities together. And we're seeing that being played out here, right? Serving alongside each other. And I, I see this about Jesus, though he's in the kind of this area of the suburbs and we, we, we know that John is in another area. He's not against the work of John. He's not in competition with the ministry of John. He's still aligning up with the baptism ministry. He's not fighting and competing here. It's the work, the work is just expanding. You know, I know there's a, we had a lot of people during COVID move out of the state and Pastor Peter come, hey, we're leaving, we're going out of the state. We're sorry, we're leaving. I, Don't be sorry. Guess what? The New Vision Ministry Kingdom is just expanding. The kingdom of God is just expanding out. You're going to represent God wherever God plants you. Whatever state he puts you, right? And he was still, Jesus was still involved with the ministry that John was involved with, right? The ministry of repentance, because they were coming to be baptized for the, the repentance of sin. We know that that was the work of John. When Jesus started his public ministry, he came out. What did he say in Mark 1.15? He says, the time is filled and the kingdom of God is hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That was the words of Jesus. That's how he started his, his ministry. So he's aligning with John. He's, he's affirming the work of John as he's continued the work of ministry. John is serving in Enum. I love that, right? This, this ministry was just west of the, the Jordan. Some maybe thought around Shechem, maybe area, if you look at the back of your maps in your Bible, just north of Jerusalem, all right? But they're not exactly sure, but they're thinking somewhere in that region. The word Enum means springs or much water and the passage says that John was baptizing where there was much water John the Baptist kept the ministry simple I want to baptize so I'm going to go where there's a lot of water <laughs> he just kept it simple guys we just go with the flow excuse my water <laughs> you know what I mean excuse my water. we just go where God is moving us and we're going to go where the simple things are happening that's the flexibility of the work of the spirit God where are you working right now then I want to just join you in what you're doing Makes the work lighter, makes the work easier, takes, makes the ministry lighter to do. And so, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to use before? Where are you working? And I'm just going to go where the water is, like, like John was. And just serving, simply just loving. It doesn't be complicated. Guys, ministry isn't always on the clock. Ministry is 24-7. That's called worship. We worship God in our ministry. We worship God in our service. We worship God in what we do 27. I, the reason I wasn't here joining you yesterday, I was up in L.A., Celebrating my dad's 80th birthday. And all his, all his family, we came, we, put, we threw a surprise party for him, and we were just honoring him and, and for his 80th birthday and all that. And I got to just talk to a lot of people, and they know I'm a pastor. I got to pray in for the, 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 the surprise party, and I got to pray in for that and the food and everything. And then a lot of people come in to you and say, well, you're a pastor. What, what does that mean? Because a lot of my dad's friends, are, they don't go to church really, or they don't really know. And that's my ministry. God hears, I'm just here. Right? They're celebrating my dad's birthday, but I'm celebrating honoring him, but I'm also doing ministry as I'm just talking with people. Come on. As the flow of the evening goes, I'm just talking with different people. Why is this? And what's going on? And, and all these different things. And just, just talking with them. Guys, that was my watering hole for the day. That's where I was for the moment, to just ministering. And he just went where the, the water was, just serving. 
He just taking it simple. Simple ministry is what happens. People are coming to, to be baptized. John had an opportunity just to care for people. Guys, what's the opportunity God's give you just to love on people? Just keep it simple. Not hard. Just keep it simple in the ministry. That's what he's called us to do. But we know that ministry doesn't have has its costs and its challenges. I love it. It says that this was happening, um, but this happened before John was put into prison. John the Baptist, we know the story. Um, he was being a light in the darkness against Herod and the governor and the rulers of that day, and they were doing some crazy immoral stuff. And John was just saying, hey, man, that's wrong. Can't be sleeping with your wife's husband's wife, uh, your brother's wife, man, that's not a good thing, you know, that's like, you know, like drama, and, and, you know, we watch these reality shows, and all the crazy stuff that goes on, and basically, John the Baptist is calling him out, the king, eh? that's not good, and they got mad at him, and they had a party, and they said, let's get John head cut off, and he gets put into prison, right, and he gets thrown in, and sometimes, guys, being the light, there's going to be some opposition to what we do. Just by walking, just by serving, by honoring, by just doing the things. And, and John, we know he's going, to, he's going to die for his faith. We know eventually he gets his head cut off for the faith. But you know what? We know a lot about his incarceration. If you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they tell more of the full story of John's incarceration for the faith. But I want to, I want to tell this. Even though he is a great man of God, proclaiming who Jesus was. He's out in the wilderness telling about people. He was still human. And when he was in prison, he, called, he talks to the disciples and says, man, I'm locked up. I'm gaffled up here. Is Jesus legit? <laughs> That's what he asked. Is Jesus, because I'm, I'm going down. I hope I'm going, I'm like, I'm going down, but I'm go, I hope I'm going down for the wrong thing. And, and so the disciples go talk to Jesus and say, John sent us to ask you this. And this was Jesus' response. Go tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the leopards are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. John, I'm the one. I'm the one, man. You got it. It's good. God, is there, is there times in our walk with God we kind of get a check in our spirit about our walk sometimes? Yes. Come on, Lord. Am I, I'm like, Lord, am I like... Like, am I crazy? I'm following this rabbi, dude. Following Jesus. Am I like losing my mind? Because my friends think I'm losing my mind. They think I'm just too religious. And they're like, what? You're going to church now? What's up with you? You know what I mean? That's why I think the online thing is good because people don't want their friends to know, so they pop in online. Right, guys? Some of you online? You might be the first time you're joining us at church right now because you're like, I got to check this thing out because something's crazy going. Right? And that's all good because God's working in it. He's working it. I don't care what motive you're coming here for. God's going to use it. Right? When I got saved, I went to camp because there was girls, not because there was Jesus. Right? Come on, I'm just being honest. That's what I told you. That was my testimony. They had friends invited me to Christian camp. What's a Christian camp? I don't know what a Christian camp was. I said, is there girls there? And they said, yeah. I said, okay, I'll go. You know what I mean? Hey, if you, you want to you know, go fishing, you need a little bait. I, I, that was the bait. And Jesus, and Jesus got me. He hooked me, right? I've been following for like over 40 years now. But the reality of all this is whatever the motive, God's going to steal. You might be here because you got to sign a piece of paper because you're supposed to be here. Come on, come on. You're still here? You're still here? God's going to use it. He's going to use it for his glory. And we're going to serve and we're going to honor you. And so here, John is like, man, I got this. I, I'm, I'm going to, you know, you're the one. Okay, I'm going down, Jesus. So it's sometimes this, this following Jesus is going to cost us. 
The church in Ukraine and Russia are struggling right now. We, we're, we're battling about our views, Russia and Ukraine, but what about the church? They love Jesus. Russian Christians and, and Ukrainian Christians love Jesus. We got to pray, right? And they're, they're trying to work that all out. God's still working regardless of what we think. But we have to understand that, you know, this, this ministry is messy. Ministry is mess, can be messy. Look at 25 and 6. Then there arose a dispute about some of John's disciples and, and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to Rabbi, he who is with you beyond the Jordan to whom you testify, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. <laughs> hey, we used to get the crowd, but we're not getting the crowd no more. They all go into that, dude, you were talking about, right? There was a, a problem of purification, of, of washing, right? They're, they're in the Jordan, they're baptizing. And purification was a, a, a big practice in that culture in that day. Guys, before they went into the temple, there was these pools. For those who are going to uh, Israel with us in October, you're all welcome to go, Jim. It's still time to get on. We're going to Israel outside the walls of Jerusalem. There's these pools. There. You can see, you can walk in. They used to go into pools and purify and wash themselves before they would go into the temple. So purification was a, a, a practice. Guys, we, we still practice that purification right now when you go wash your hands before you go eat. That's part of purification practices and traditions there. And so there was this dispute uh, about John's baptism and, and Jesus' baptisms, right? There, there, there was a fighting going on between the two, mostly instigated by John's disciples. Come on. Like, we have practice of purification traditions here, right? We believe, there, there's a lot of people that believe a, a lot about baptisms. We, we see that there's infant baptism practice. We see there's a, a, a dedication of baptism for dedication, some people sprinkle. There's baptism by immersion, Right? Some believe baptizing in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We see that in Matthew 20. Others believe in baptizing just in Jesus' name only. There's a, there's a lot of things in the purification practice we have in baptisms. A lot of things going on that a lot of churches have disputes over. Come on, come on. Because I think we missed the mark here on that, the disputes. Because we're more concerned about the act of baptism than the purpose of baptism. See, 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 we sometimes we think we're saved by the actual physical baptism instead of the true meaning what Jesus was trying to get with the baptism of, of obedience. Because Jesus, Jesus was baptized and he didn't need to be baptized. But if we're followers of Jesus, then we want to follow his example. But he was doing it out of the obedience of his father. Baptism is just an outward sign of an inward conviction of God doing this work already. And we're just shouting the word. We're just followers of Jesus. We're identifying with his death, burial, and resurrection. And out of obedience, I'm going to follow God. Come on. Guys, we're going to have a baptism. Maybe you've never been baptized before. We're going to have a baptism on the 24th, the week after Easter. So if you're interested in being baptized, we want to baptize you. Because we want you to just make your public confession of faith through baptism. Amen. Jesus did it. We're called to do it. But the baptism itself doesn't save you. You know what I mean? I could take you and dunk you in water and get all the dirt off you and kick you out of water. Right? But the baptism doesn't necessarily change my heart. Come on. The Holy Spirit does. Okay? So sometimes we worship the baptism more than we worship what God wants to do because when Jesus came out of the water, the Spirit came upon him. The scripture says. And so the purpose of the baptism, we're not going to fight over those types of things because I'm more concerned about you being not so, not so much baptized by man, but baptized by his Spirit. Come on. Come because man baptized the physical baptism, Jesus baptized. Holy Spirit. That's what he said. He's the one that's going to baptize me. One's going to come back to you water, but that's going to baptize me with the Spirit. That's Jesus. 
I'm more concerned about the work inside of us through the spirit than I'm at about the physical baptism. I'm not denying the importance of that, but the reality is we can worship baptism more than we worship the work that God wants to do in us. And so that's the work that he's doing. And there was a problem going on, right? That was the dispute. We're called to identify with Christ. That's why he commanded us to be baptized out of obedience. And we've been resurrected to new life as a sign of baptism. And, and so what do you find here? In some sense, that God's disciples were getting very territorial. Well, more going with Jesus than they're going with us. Let me count the numbers. Like, how many baptisms do we have this week? Well, Jesus is having more, right? Yeah. Ministry can, can be messy and it can be personal, right? And so we see the mess happening here. But pride can make our serving service messy. That's what it can do, right? It can make our service messy, right? You could actually see like two pastors competing for each other in the, in the same neighborhood, right? Guys, we have a lot of churches here in, in San Diego. I know a lot of the pastors in the neighborhood. Guys, we're serving the same God. There's no need to compete. No need to compete. Brother, if they're going to your church, praise God. They're going to ours, praise God. We're one church. Jesus is the chief shepherd. I'm the shepherd of this church, but Jesus is the chief shepherd. He's the shepherd of the whole church, of the universal church. He's the chief shepherd. And so we can't be, be getting in, in fighting that's going on, right? Hmm. I, I think when God's doing this, this work that he wants to do, men seems to want to stop the work of God. Like get in the way of work of God. God's doing this great work and, you know, oh, you can't be in this neighborhood. This is our neighborhood. That's your neighborhood. You, stand, you know, we put lines and then we, you know, we red line in on neighborhoods and churches. You can't go here. You can't do that. We see that in the Bible happening and Jesus confronts it. We saw it in the, we saw it in the Old Testament in Numbers 11, right? Moses comes down the spirit and then the spirit falls on two men. Eldad and Medad. They weren't with Moses. They weren't with the mountain. And, and it fell on it and it says, in Numbers 11, are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Right, Moses addressing the issue because they were saying, stop these men for prophesying. And, and they're like, no, 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 that's the work of God. It's okay. It's okay. Let God do his thing. Let God do his work. We see in Luke chapter 6, Jesus has to deal with, with his disciples when they saw all these other disciples were casting out demons. And then the disciples said, oh, no, no, you can't do that because you're not of us, right? You're not of us. Jesus said, no, no, in my name, they're for us, they're not against us. Come on, come on. Right? He, he wasn't a separatist in, in that way, right? Paul had the, the same issue when he's talking in Philippians chapter one, right? He's talking about the motive of the preaching. Some are preaching for right motives. Some are preaching for the wrong motives in Philippians chapter one. And they were making an issue of it. They're like, these guys are in the impossible. No, no, whether right motive or wrong motive, the gospel is still being preached. It's okay. God will separate the sheep from the goats. Just, just let them do the work. Just let them do the work, right? Because the work of God is great. What you did yesterday was great. There's plenty of fish need to be catched. Guys, I've been, if you want to join me, I, I go out every Tuesday. Uh, Franklin was with me, Scott was with me on Tuesday, and we were just walking through the neighborhood praying, praying. Do you know how many people are in this neighborhood just right here in these apartments? I was, we stopped and we're praying over those apartments and praying, laying our hands and saying, God, how do we get in these apartments? 
There's, there's thousands of people. We're sending out a mailer for Easter to invite them to come. And so we just want to invite them to come. Because that where we do, we just because the work is great. There's lots of catch. See, John the Baptist saying, I'm not Jesus' rival. <laughs> That's how we're getting here. So, first of all, the, the work we do is not of us. The service we do is to honor Jesus. That's the second thing. The service we do is to honor Jesus. You see that in verses 27 to 30, right? We know I've done hundreds of weddings since as a pastor. And for those that are getting married, right, you, you, you put together a wedding party, right? There's a bride, there's a bridegroom, there's a maid of honor, there's the best man, there's the bridesmaid, there's the groomsmen, right? There's this whole party that you have when you put on a wedding that's part of the ceremony that are part of that, right? Mm. And the role of the maid of honor and the best man is to serve the bride and the groom. That's, their honor. that's the honored position. When you look at John chapter 3, John, the apostle, is writing about John the Baptist using this illustration. Jesus is the bridegroom and John the Baptist is the best man. That's the picture you get here, right? He's standing beside Jesus and honoring him by pointing Jesus as the bridegroom. And so John the Baptist honors Jesus by not allowing division, envy, and discontentment in the ministry. Because he's pointing back to Jesus. That's what, that's what we do, right? I love this. Why? Because first of all, John was given an assignment. John the Baptist was given an assignment. Look at verse 27. John answered said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. John the Baptist was given an assignment. His mom was Elizabeth. He was born six months earlier than Jesus. In fact, when Mary was pregnant, met Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John, it says that John in the womb, when they heard that Mary was leaped in her womb, that they even had a connection there before they were even born. That's why there's life in the womb. That's why there's life in the womb. And we see that. And John was given a position of honor as a forerunner of Christ. He had a, a heavenly call. He had a, a purpose. Ministry is a, is a gift from God. Because Paul writes that all spiritual blessings come from Christ alone. From above. Guys, you've been called. You don't really even realize, but every one of you has been called to the ministry. You are the priesthood of all believers, the scripture says in Peter. You have been given a ministry. Like, Pastor, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, what do you mean I'm a pastor? Does that mean I have to wear a collar? Do I have to dress with here or something? No, 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 no. When you give water to somebody's thirsty, you're a minister. Because a minister just means a servant. When you give food to the homeless on somebody on the side of the street and you give them a little food, a little panduce, a little burrito, carne asada, whatever it is you give them, you're, you're a minister. Because that means servant. You're all called to the ministry. You're serving the people. He, John had a calling in his, his life here. God was ordained. John was ordained by God for this specific position. And he gave him exactly what it needed for his position. Because Jesus is the gift giver. He is. We've all been given by faith the gift of the Spirit. Everyone has the Holy Spirit by faith. But not everybody has been given all the gifts of the Spirit, all those spiritual gifts. We all have different gifts, the Bible says in, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12 and, and uh, 14. But he gives you the gift for the moment, whatever it is. Amen. 
It might be the gift of encouragement or tongues. It might be the a gift of helps. It might be the gift of administration. Whatever the gift is. And let me tell you this. He might just give you the gift for the moment, but then give you another gift later. I'm not, I'm not even opposed to the fact that God could even do that. But he, don't be afraid. Like, I don't know what to do. Trust God. That's faith. He'll give you what you need for the moment. He said that, I'll, I'll give you the words you need to speak. I'll put you before kings and rulers. I'll give you the gift for the moment is what I'll give you. God will give you what you need for the moment to care for people, to love for people, right? Hebrews says, no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God. God has honored you with blessings. He's honored you with gifts given to him by him. That's the gift of God. What kind of God would he be if he told us to walk with him and to do things he's asked to do and not give us the resources and the things we need to do? It'd be like a carpenter telling me, Pete, build your house, but you can't, I'm not going to give you no tools, nails, wood. you got to go figure it all out yourself. No, that's not what God does. He says, I've given you everything you need for godliness. I've given you everything you need to serve me, but ultimately you're pointing to me because I'm the, the gift giver. Here's another thing that not only was he called by God, but John was okay with being second. He's okay with being the second fiddle. He's okay with being second. There's a ministry called second for those who are in the ministry a long time. It's okay with being second. Look at 20 and 29. You yourselves bear witness. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. First, the first thing that John does is he reiterates his position in light of Christ's position, right? That he is not the Christ. Remember, they were looking like they thought he might be the Messiah. He said, I am not the Messiah. He's already said that one in chapter one. Now in chapter three, he's reiterating the fact and restating the fact that I am not the Messiah. I am not the Christ. My role is the best man to be the usher and the waiter at the wedding. That's my role. Just ushering Jesus, right? My role is to be the, the servant of all, to serve the, the least of me. That's what John is saying there. But let me tell you something. Very interesting phrase here in this verses. It talks about hearing the bridegroom's voice. When I was studying, it caught my ear. What, what do you mean hearing the bridegroom's voice? Therefore, the joy of mine is fulfilled there. There had to be some form of intimacy between the best man and the bridegroom. They had to be tight friends. They had to be close friends. Because that's the role. Usually the, the best man is usually a close friend or a family member. They're, they're close. That's the, the position of honor. Jesus would say this, No longer do I call you servant, for a servant does not know what the master is doing, but I've called you friends for all that I've heard from my father I've made known to you. So there's a relationship we can have with God. It's a friendship that's so close we can hear from God. In the Jewish culture, not in our culture, in our culture, the, 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 the couple plans the wedding. But in the Jewish culture, the best man planned the wedding. He made sure everything was set up. He made sure the people were invited. He made sure all the plans were together. And then they had the ceremony. And then he, as the best man, would usher in the bride and the bride and the maid, the, 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 the groom and the bride, he would usher them into the, their personal chambers and he would walk them to their personal chamber and they would go in and then he would just stand out the chambers and wait because he's a servant until he hears the voice of the groom that says, everything's okay. Everything's okay. And he'd be, I hear the voice. I hear the voice of God. I hear the voice. 
And he said, I went away joy. The, 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 the best man went away joyfully because he was okay. He's saying, when we hear the words, we hear these things, God is speaking to us. We are his servants. He, he's speaking to us. And he, he gives us directions, right? Our greatest joy isn't what we get or have. It's not in the person we marry or the job we have. Our greatest joy is when we are fully understand the gospel. By faith, he speaks to us and says, everything will be okay. Find your rest in me. Find your rest in me. And yet we see here the character of John in verse 30. John had a servant's heart to honor Christ. He must increase, but I must decrease. If you have your Bible underlined, that's a famous verse. Famous verse in the Gospel of John, right? Seven words that capture the heart of servanthood. I must decrease. I must increase, but I, I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease, is what he's saying here. You know, the early church even had church hoppers. The early church even had division, right? They would come, oh, no, no, I, I'm, I like Pastor Apollos. I like Pastor Cephas. Oh, I like Pastor Paul, right? Because Corinthians says, I'm Apollos, I'm Apollos, I'm a Cephas, right? They were pointing out these pastors and leaders of the day, right? But these men were just ministers from whom God had used to bring you to faith. That's all they were. Right? And we idolize, we can idolize that by, hey, well, I go to this church and I go to this church. I'm of this pastor and I'm of that. Guys, I love being your pastor. But I want to point you to Jesus. <laughs> right? He's the chief pastor. <clears throat> but if you look at the word here. He must increase, but I must discreet. Look at the word must. Must. There are some musts in the ministry. He uses that several times in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, 7, it says, sinners must be born again. Must be born again. He's not talking about reformation. He's talking about regeneration. He's not trying to, to learn new behaviors to be better people. He's talking about being transformed within. He says in, in John chapter 3, 15, the Savior talking to here, must, must the Son of Man must be lifted up. I told a story out of Numbers last week when the people were complaining. And they're complaining God sent serpents or snakes to bite them and, and they were dying. And, and the Lord told Moses, build this pole with a serpent on it and anyone who got bitten would look to the serpent and they would be healed and they wouldn't die. So must the Son of Man be lifted up. We see that in John. Reference the crucifixion because in the crucifixion and the resurrection we find healing and salvation. Here in John 30, what do we find? The son, Jesus, must increase. The servant, we must decrease. That we're stepping back so God can be stepped forward. We're, we're humbling ourselves to come back that God may step forward. And, and that's what John is saying is that I'm, Jesus is the one I got to, he's the PR man. He's the public relations man for Jesus. He's pushing Jesus forward, but he has to take a step back. That's why Jesus said, follow me. He didn't say, go before me. He said, follow me, because he was behind. That God, we're, we're, we're letting God be seen. The Lord said, Mary sang a song, so let's magnify the Lord together. Let's make Jesus large together. Let Jesus be seen, right? There wasn't self-promotion. There was Christ promotion here. 
We could see that in John, the three musts, but there's actually one more must. We find it in John chapter four, verse four, talking about the Savior again, when he says, I must go through Samaria. I must do the ministry. I must do serving. I must do evangelism. There's, there's a call. We're going to look at that next week, that he had to go through an area that the Jews didn't want to go through, but he must go through it to meet the Samaritan woman. So there's some musts in the Bible. There's some things that we must do that God's calling us to do by his spirit. But the last thing I want you to understand here as we close in 31 to 36 is the service we do is to testify of Jesus. It's to testify of Jesus, right? Our testimony is one of the most powerful weapons we have for the gospel, right? And, and what John is doing in the passage isn't sharing his testimony, but he's testifying, testifying about who Christ is. And as an eyewitness of who Christ is, he shares it with those who just might listen. Guys, God's put us in place to people who just might listen to what we have to say, right? He's testifying in the court of law. In the court of law, we have trials, and those trials are filled with testimony of many witnesses, and the jury has to make a judgment call based on the testimony of people. Chapter 3 closes with John's testimony of who Christ is, and the listener has to make his own judgment call. John testifies of three things here we're going to look at. He's going to lay out three things he's going to test. Here's the first one. One, we testify Jesus above all. He is number one. Look at the third one. He who comes from above is above all. And who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. Right? Remember in John chapter 3, verse 3, it says, you must be born again. And we, remember we studied the word born again means to be born from above. That was the translation in the Greek, means to be born from above. Jesus is from above. He is from heaven. He was sent from above. He came from heaven. He is God. And we see his divine nature here and being present in his body. Right? He is above all, greater than anything else. He is preeminent. Above all things, above all people. Those who are from below the earth, it talks about here, only know that which is from earth. That's their experience. Guys, you can only give an experience by being here on earth. How you live the experiences you have. The earth can, can also mean to speak out of an immaturity disciple. There, you guys are disputing the fact that you're fighting about Jesus being baptized and John's baptism because you're seeing it not through the spiritual eyes, but through your earthly eyes. You see his competition. You're, you're not seeing his kingdom, kingdom building. You're just seeing it because it, 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 you made the ministry about you and not about Jesus. And people can get hurt in the ministry when they start doing that. Well, how come that brother gets to serve there and I don't get to serve there? Well, how come that brother gets to do this, but I don't get to do that? Come on. We can do that in the ministry. For many years, I served as a janitor, cleaning. And I, I, I just practiced being the best janitor I can be Amen. in the little things. And so I went to go clean toilets. I made sure that toilet seat was sparkling for the next one who sat on that toilet seat. Because you know what? The one, I wasn't serving my boss who was paying me. I was serving the king of kings. And my reward comes from him. Because if I'm faithful with the little, 
cleaning toilets, he will make me faithful with much. See, I don't complain. I'm just going to be faithful. That's what he's called us to do, just being faithful. Guys, the faithful things of coming home and being with your family, the faithful things of encouragement, the faithful things of whatever God does in the moment, you're being faithful with that. That's, that's what's happening here. God has been faithfully earlier. We can't let pride get in the way. Pride is what breaks up our marriages and our relationships, our relationship with our families, our girlfriend, our children, whatever is pride. Because if you think it's about us, sin is selfishness. We made it about us. Instead of denying ourselves and take up our cross and follow him, that's where we get victory. Right? So he's above all. He's number one. Guys, he's got to be number one in your home, in your jobs, wherever. He's number one. Here's the second thing. We testify of the truth of God. Look at this in 32 to 34. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies that no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For him who God has sent speaks the word of God, for God does not give the spirit by, God does not give the spirit by measure. The word testimony here in this passage is the word to witness, to record, or to report, Right? Jesus is reporting. He's giving testimony. It's he who's speaking. He's giving a report of the truth of what is true, right? The, the reason why John is writing the book, the apostle John is writing the book, not John the Baptist, is that he's giving a report of the life of Jesus, the witness of life of Jesus, what? so that you all would believe. He's testifying about the work of God. Jesus comes testifying about the work that his father had given him, right? But when he comes speaking, not everybody believed him. He's coming forward, he's testifying, and some did not receive him. Jesus would letters, letters say to those who believe, wouldn't believe or struggle with his belief. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Only man, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right? But there are some who didn't receive his message. And this gospel message that we've been sharing for 2,000 years, some haven't received it. Rejections is some of the response of people who hear the message. The rejection says, I'm going to offend somebody here. I'm going to step on some toes. When you reject the gospel, you're saying that God is a liar. Stop. You're saying that God is a liar because he came bearing testimony of who he was. And if you reject him, you're saying you're a liar. Come on, come on. But some did receive the message. Some did come to faith. And they began to give testimony of that faith and it verified the message of Jesus' word. They made Jesus' word truth. They authenticated his truth, his words by the confession, right? Our lives verify the gospel truth. Your lives that are transformed verify the gospel message. It validates it. Nobody can take away your message. Nobody can. And then they finally close, right? It says here, I'm sorry. Jesus was sent to the Father to give the full measure of the gospel. So he couldn't testify. God gave him everything. God the Father gave Jesus the full measure of the Holy Spirit. Each of us have different capacities in the service of God. We see that in the descriptions of the talents. One talent, two talent, five talents in the parable. Right? Some have different levels of capacity and gifting, and that's okay. Some like to serve in the shadows. Some like to serve more up front. Some are more introverts. Some are more extroverts. You have different abilities and, and personalities, and you like to serve, and that's all good because that's how God has created us. To come on, come on, come on. Right? You know, with our two campuses, we're maybe 300, 350. 
The rock is 15,000. Doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. We're all part of the same kingdom. I might just be a one-talent cat. Miles might be a five-talent cat. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. My identity is not what I do. My identity is in Jesus and the work that he's doing and the being faithful to the work that he's given us as we serve him. That's what it is, guys. Be faithful in what he's given you. You might just be a guy that has to stay home with, mama, has to stay home with the kids and take her. God is honored by your faithfulness as a mother to take care of your kids. That's okay. God, you gifted me for this, for this task, for this ability. Don't be jealous of others' giftedness. Rejoice in it. Rejoice, praise it. Brother, man, thank you for doing that today, man. You really blessed us by doing this in your gifting. Are you not blessed by our pastor who leads worship, Pastor Franklin, this morning? God has gifted him in a, a certain way to lead us. Man, I'm always like ready to weep because of the spirit when he leads us because the gifting that God has given him, he's operating his gift in his gifting. Guess what? He's, he's experienced the greatest joy in his walk with God as he leads in that way. You will experience the greatest joy in your life when you walk in your gifting and your call and what God has given you. Lastly, we testify about life and death. 35, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides in him. John is testifying of the love relationship between God and the Father. The God and the Son. God the Father and God the Son. This relationship, right? The Father loved the Son. That's a fact, Right? And the Father loves us. That's a fact. Unconditionally. Guys, he doesn't love you any more or any less. He accepts you. He loves you. There's not something more you can do to gain, earn his love, and there's nothing less that you can do that he will not love you. He loves you because that's the nature of God. In fact, the Bible says he loved us before we loved him. See, that's, that's, the, that's the demonstration of his love. And he loves here his father, right? And then the father put everything in his hands. He was a generous father. He gave him power. Just like us, he gives us power, right? He gave him grace to care for others. He gave us grace to care for others. He, 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 he's, he's given the multitude of resources he needs to do what he needs to do in that time, just like he gives us what he needs to do for our time. He's given us everything we need to do to honor him when we serve him. So the challenge is this. Those who believe in him put their trust in Christ. They have life. We will have eternal life to pass, it says. Right? Love, the, the aspect of faith this morning is not just about believing. Because a lot of people believe in God. You tell, oh yeah, I believe in God. But who's your God? Is your God that rock outside there? Is, that, is your God that doorknob on that door? Jesus is our God. We have an object of our worship. Right? So we put our faith in God. But more than that, the gospel is about intimacy with God. Knowing God. John 17, 3, we'll get there. Is the prayer of Jesus says, this is eternal life that you know me, the only true God. Our intimacy, God, is, the, is what we want. And I think sometimes we as a church, we miss that. We miss that intimacy with God, which, guys, the reason why we sin 
The reason why we do that is because we love ourselves more than we love God. Or we love, we, we don't see ourselves as valued as much as God values us. We have to replace that desire. That desire needs to replace for him. I have to love God more than I love my mess. But if I don't love God the more I love my mess, then I'm going to go to my mess. When I have brokenness in my life and I have jacked up in a hurt and pain, I'm going to go to those things that are going to try to self-medicate my pain. And then the reality of all is, God, I, I fail to understand your love for me. And God weeps because he said he was like a shepherd weeping over the city of Jerusalem or Bethlehem because they're like sheep without a shepherd. And his heart is broken because he knows the damage we do to our own self. And he says, that's my desire for you. I love you. Parents, you love your children. And when they go do dumb things, you're grieved. Like, what did you do that for? Right? They're like, oh my goodness. I'm, I grieve over my kids sometimes. Like, why did you make, why did you make that decision? You know, because I love my kids. I want to see what's best for them. That's the love of God. He wants to see what's best for his children. And so he says, believe on me. Trust me. When you discover his deep love for you, that's powerful. That will allow you to walk. When you experience his beauty and his presence and his grace and his mercy, you have great joy. You walk. You walk. But those who reject Christ are under the wrath of God. The word righteous means judgment of God. Because God is a just God. And God has to punish sin. God has to bring judgment on sin. For the wages of sin is death. We know that. So he, God cannot change who he is because he's a just God. We all want justice. That's what we hear all the time. We want justice. Justice, justice, justice. Guys, I don't want justice. I want mercy. If I got justice, I wouldn't be up here. If I got justice, then I would be dead. I deserve hell. That's justice. I want mercy. I want grace. And that's what God offers. Mercy and grace. The reason, see, the word wrath means just. The, the reason why he says that is those who reject me choose to have the wrath of God than the blessings of God. Right? They, are, they, don't, they don't want God's mercy. They don't want God's grace. They don't want God's forgiveness. They don't want, so they say, I'd rather have that because of pride and walk in that. And God's saying, look at the wrath is on you because you don't want grace. I'm giving you this great gift and you're rejecting it. Right? What's that uh, big dam, that uh, big water dam? I can't, I can't remember the name of it. But there's a big dam that has a big cracks and then the water comes poured out. It'll come on a valley and destroy homes. That would be like judgment coming on the wrath coming on us. Right? But you know what God's, God's mercy and grace would be? This water flood coming down on the valley and also it opens a big hole. The water goes into the hole and doesn't attend the people. That's God's grace and mercy. He stops the, the judgment by his death, burial, and resurrection. That's what he's offering. That's all he's doing it. John is making it perfectly clear. You either are with me or you're not. This is simply what John is saying. You either believe in me or you don't. John will later write this. He who has the son has life, but he who does not have the son does not have life. And so I challenge you this morning. Do you want life or don't want life? Our service is to honor him. So this is how we do it. Number one, the service we do 
is not about us. To make it about us, it's going to get messy. It's going to get hurtful. Number two, the service we do is to honor Jesus. We honor him with our service. Lastly, the service we do is to testify of Jesus. Life or death, that's what I offer. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your love and blessings, for your goodness and mercy and grace, Lord. And I pray this morning for those that are here. They're at the crossroads, Lord. Some are at the crossroads of their life. You said there are two roads. You said there's a wide road and a narrow road in Matthew 7, 12 and 13. You said very few find the narrow road. Father, you've given us a road to follow. You give us your word as a path. And Lord, I just pray this morning for those that have heard your word. Father, it's fallen on good soil. They heard your words and they're receiving your word this morning. If you're here this morning, you receive the word and you're saying, I choose life. I just want you to raise your hand because I can pray for you. I see you. I see you. Lord, do you see the hands raised? Those who have chosen life. I want life today. I see you. I see you up the balcony. I see you down here. I see you all around. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those that are raising their hands this morning. Father, they want life. They're choosing life. And so I pray that they're putting their faith and trust in you because life is found in putting their trust in you. You said that um, he who believes upon me shall never be put to shame. Right? You're not here to shame people. You came to save people. And so, Father, I pray for your people, your people that are here. They're here. They heard your word, Lord. Receive them. Receive them by faith. As they stand and say, Lord, I want life. And they might not even know what they're saying. They might not even understand it, Lord, this morning, but by faith they're coming. You said in Hebrews 11 that without faith, it's impossible to please God. That we are to believe in you. And so, Father, they come by faith believing in you. Believing in your word. We're going to take your word for what it says. We trust your word, for your word is true. We thank you. We praise you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.